You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode. He's back again. The man, the myth, the legend. Vinny, what is up, my brother? What's going on, brother? How are you today? It's a beautiful day, I think. I don't know. I'm not outside. I'm technically inside. Um, but I'm not going to lie to the people and be honest with them. And hopefully we're going to do that together. Now, you messaged me saying you were interested in another topic, and it's been a crazy eventful time since we last talked. I'm wondering what events have transpired. So we're actually going to talk about something that happened 12,800 years ago. So nothing new, nothing new, but technically uh, the theory is something completely new. It's, it's something that has been entirely ignored by uh, history and from an academic sense, something that science uh, up until very recently has denied, 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 and that is the Younger Dryas Cataclysm, which uh, it took place 12,800 years ago to 11,600 years ago. Uh, that was the time period that this occurred. And essentially what the Younger Dryas Cataclysm was, was the great flood in the Bible. Um, this wiped out the majority of civilization at the time. It's the reason we have underground cities in certain areas around the world, particularly in Turkey. We see places like Darren Kuyu, which is an entire underground city that was carved out to avoid this cataclysm that we're going to discuss here. And the theory that I'm going to propose is something that nobody else has ever put together. Um, these are bits and pieces that I've taken from different researchers and authors and Sumerian tablets and Egyptian hieroglyphs and fables of Atlantis. This is all of that combined. So if you want to dive into that, I'm, I'm more than happy to go with that. My only question for you before we dive into that is what, what decided, what what happened and transpired in your life that made you decide that you wanted to look into this? I mean, last time we talked, we were talking about Freemasonry. We were talking about, you know, the inner workings of government politicians and kind of the secret codes of how to be successful in a way. But what what was the switch? So it's, it's all connected. It's definitely all interconnected in terms of secret societies. This is knowledge that these secret societies possess that is just not accessible to the mainstream. Um, a lot of these things, particularly Freemasonry and Templars, uh, as we discussed last time, the thing with the Templars was they were protecting the religious relics, which in turn was likely high technology that had come from the previous age of man. So prior to the cataclysmic wipeout of humanity uh, during that time period I mentioned, there was high technology. Obviously, they built amazing things that still stand today. Of course, academia won't acknowledge these, but academia also can't, they can't disprove any of the dating that I'm going to present in this, uh, in this theory. Um, in terms of what made me want to bring this up with you, it's a super interesting topic. Uh, I've been reading a lot of work from Randall Carlson. He's a geologist. Um, he's a brilliant geologist. He's been able to kind of lay out the landscape and explain like, this is how the glaciers moved. And you could see it through like the Badlands and the Dakotas, you know, how these glaciers just tore up the whole landscape. And you see the striations and the way he's been able to dissect this has really kind of opened up a whole new 
level of theorization regarding how this cataclysm occurred. So it's something that's really interesting and it definitely plays into, um, you know, uh, the history that our, <laughs> that our overseers don't want us to discuss. So I think that it, it goes nicely with what we were speaking on before. It's, it goes a little bit deeper. See, before our last talk, if you would have told me about overseers not wanting you to discuss a certain thing, I'd be like, yeah, but it wouldn't science about being progressing men or progressing humankind to this next stage of evolution by getting everything right, even if it was wrong in the past, we wouldn't want to stick by wrong things forever, right? But through those events, um, especially from the last time we've talked, I've talked to a few people, a guy actually discovering Viking iron bog sites where they talk about how that Vikings actually might have landed before they said they landed here. And also at the same time, how there might have been a large influence of paganism involved that ended up Christianity. The people in academia didn't like the pagan because it seems like a darker side of religion in a way that they tried to rule it out. And he said that it was even though they might be wrong, they don't want to even look into it or put any funding into it because it's just going to help really choose the stereotypical thing that you know pagans are horrible or if we're all pagan that means we're all horrible right and he goes that's not what it's about it's about finding the truth and learning about how about our real parts of our past and it seems like the more we dig deeper into the eyes or whatever is controlling in a way it seems like the truth is always like covered up by something always something it's got it's got to be spinned in their narrative if they don't like a certain thing to it they got to flip it around and make sure it goes around that or hides it or completely takes it out it which is multiple times throughout government history throughout any type of country's history they try and make sure that information is gatekeeped in a way where they only let you know what they want you to know the rest of the stuff ufos uaps that's all privately owned information that you're not able to understand or access yeah, absolutely. And I think they do that for the purpose of prohibiting critical thinking really is what that comes down to. If you present people with more than one possibility, they're going to use their minds and they're going to start dissecting the things that you have been showing them all along and saying, well, wait a minute, if, if this might not be true, then maybe this also isn't true. And once you have a population of people that are questioning things, it's going to be really hard to govern them. So I mean, it kind of explains why they would, why they bury this stuff, why they hide the real history of humanity, why they lie to us constantly, because critical thinking means that they can't govern. So for a little subtext, what is it that your theory or your idea of what really happened is pushing it back against what narrative, like what narrative are you going up against? So it, it was only very recently that they acknowledged that the, this is this is a bit uh, fragmented here because there's bits and pieces of this story that come from everywhere that all need to be converged into one point in order to understand this timeline properly. So we'll start with the Clovis first hypothesis. So it was believed prior to uh, just a few years ago when they really started to understand what the Younger Dryas Cataclysm did, how it affected the landscape, how it actually affected the migration of ancient humans. It was believed that the first people that were in America were, uh, they, they called them the Clovis peoples. Uh, they don't really know anything about them. How this was discovered, they, they were digging up a road in San Diego, I believe, and I may be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it was San Diego. And they found uh, the remnants of a mammoth that had been uh, cut up in, into pieces. Obviously, this, this mammoth was used for food. It was hunted. 
and they found the remnants of tools, uh, of tool markings on the mammoth bones. And this helped them develop this hypothesis that these were the first people to ever be in America. Nobody had ever been here before that. Well, now we know that isn't true. Now we know from, from different archeological expositions or expeditions, I'm sorry, and um, the work that Randall Carlson's done that there were in fact people here much earlier than 25,000 years ago. And these people happened to be wiped out by this cataclysm, just as many people all over the world were. So that, that leads me to wanna kind of jump right into this. So 12,800 years ago, there was a massive cataclysm. Now, what my theory proposes is that, uh, there's an author, Zechariah Sitchin. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. Zechariah Sitchin uh, is a bit of a, a pseudo archeologist. Some of his interpretations were a little dramatic, um, even from somebody who could be deemed a conspiracy theorist or somebody that, that researches outside of the academic paradigm. Zechariah Sitchin proposed that there is another planet within our solar system. It's called Planet X or Nibiru was what he said. Now he got this information from translating Sumerian tablets. Uh, these Sumerian tablets state that this planet was responsible for this cataclysm that occurred. Well, when you start to put these pieces together and then you look at some of the Egyptian hieroglyphs, they also describe this same planet as existing, this planet X. How this planet works is every 15,000 years or so, this planet is on a completely different rotational orbit than the rest of the planets in our solar system. This planet actually comes from out here and then it moves in between the sun and the other planets, as opposed to being within the loop that's on this side where all the other planets are revolving. This gigantic planet, which is a super earth, it's four times the size of our planet. This comes in from over here and revolves this way. Well, what I'm proposing is that when this planet made its pass 12,800 years ago, essentially what it did was it pushed on the earth. Its gravitational waves are so immense that you have to imagine there's a push and pull effect, right? Well, that's, that's how gravitational waves in space work. That's how the planets are actually, you know, uh, put into their, their uh, gravitational orbits is through these waves. And everything's connected through these waves. It's like invisible spider webs through space and they can only move certain ways. Well, as this planet came in to make its orbit, it actually pushed on the earth. And when it did that, a part of the earth was pushed out of its atmosphere. And that's why we have flash freezing in Siberia where they found mammoths and even people frozen in place. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this. Uh, this isn't something that they really hide. They say, you know, there was flash freezing that occurred and different parts of the globe were just completely frozen solid at one moment. Well, what else could cause that? That would have to be a complete loss of atmosphere to flash freeze, right? Because space is, is a cold, desolate wasteland. So in order to flash freeze a part of a planet, it would only make sense that we lost part of our atmosphere in a moment. Well, what could make that happen? Something larger than our planet pushing us off of our axis, right? So when this planet came through, it pushed on the earth. When it created that push, that allowed for flash freezing. But what it also did from the other side of the planet was created a massive tidal wave. And that massive tidal wave is what we have been told is the great flood, which we have 
the scientific and geological evidence for having occurred. We know that this happened. We also know that flash freezing happened. The only way you can explain both of those things is through this push from this planet. But what also happened, as this planet's pushing on the earth, it's pulling from the sun because it's a push-pull, it's gravity, right? As it's pulling on the sun. So it makes its pass from the earth. And as it passes, the pull from the sun creates a uh, mass coronal injection, which is a solar flare, a massive solar flare. We're talking probably 20 times the impact from the atom bomb that this created. And this solar flare just hit the earth and it fried it. And that, along with the flooding, along with the flash freezing, contributed to the extinction of the last age of mankind. Now, we can see that there were solar flares hitting this planet. If you look at different sites throughout South America, um, I believe Pumapunku has some evidence of this. You'll also see this in um, uh, different what, what are considered Incan, but are really Olmec or pre-Olmec sites, you'll see melting in stone, stone that looks like it's been melted. Well, how do you melt stone? The only thing that can do that is a blast of radiation, a solar flare, right? So this planet passes. Now the earth is just getting bombarded by solar flares because for one, our atmosphere is a lot thinner. We've now been tilted off our rotational axis, which would take about a thousand years to recorrect itself. And the Earth's just getting hit every day. Solar flare, solar flare, solar flare. So the people that did survive, they went and they built underground cities. Only makes sense. It's a way to explain why these underground cities exist. Why else would you live underground? Why would you have livestock underground unless you couldn't be on the surface of the Earth? Or you're hiding from something. Um, that's where See, that's the, big, the, the biggest theory right now is um, that one guy I was mentioning about where he was talking about... Um, iron bog sites with vikings and that they might have been there a lot longer or before they're starting to realize like there's a giant part of our history that's missing and it happens to do with the celtics the celtics are just they just disappeared nobody knew where they went and my theory is that maybe they went underground um as a hiding mechanism to hide away from people then eventually build cities or built a little town or just find a way to survive by using tunnel systems and things of that sort i mean elon musk is not the first guy to think about a tunnel system no, absolutely not. This is something that goes way, way back in history. They found tunnels in Mexico that are 30,000 years old. And I agree that some of these tunnel systems could have been built for that. But that still doesn't explain the melting above these, these uh, underground cities, such as Derinkuyu. This doesn't explain how there's melted stone. If you take that into account, melted stone, right, clearly they built underground to avoid being hit by the solar flares. It only stands to reason that in the same locations that underground cities exist, we also find stone that has been melted by high levels of radiation. This can also be witnessed all over the continent of India. Basically, every ancient city in India has some type of melting that occurred. And that's likely the time that these cities were abandoned as well. And again, we have underground cities in India. So although I do agree that certain groups throughout history have utilized the underground to hide from persecution. I mean, the Christians did it in, uh, you know, 100 AD. Uh, the, the Jews used underground cities or different type of mountaintop fortresses to hide from uh, different kings and different types of wraths that were brought against their people. And then obviously we have it in Mexico, uh, different tribes that were hiding from 
you know, what would be perceived as the, the main government then, and then the Celts. Um, we have it with different sects of pagans. But what I'm proposing is that perhaps they were just reutilizing underground cities that were already built. And that's the problem with archaeology is that you can't carbon date stones. So the way they're getting this dating for these places is through uh, relics that were found with, within the chambers or within corridors. They found different relics and then they date those relics. They carbon date the relics. But who's to say that those are the original, those are from the builders. Those aren't original relics. They're just relics from people that have used these tunnels or used these cities throughout you know, the course of the past 15,000 yeah. years or so. See, now, if you're talking about a, a, another planet that came and did all that, then if it's going around on an axis, then that means it has to come back, right? If it's going around an orbit, it's going to have to make a swing around. So now are you, are you also hinting at the possibility that there's going to be another one coming down the pike, maybe a thousand years from now or so, we're about to see it happen again? Yeah, I would say probably about 2,500 years from now, this will happen again. Um, it's, it, it, it's I'm, I'm trying. Well I'm, I'm trying to... Um, just everything that you learn in school is the complete opposite of what that is. And I'm not saying you should learn about, obviously the history in school isn't the best. It's a little bit of a filter feed issue, but it's just so like, I don't even believe about the flood and everything like that. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but you're telling me a guy got two of each animal on the freaking arc and then did this no, whole entire course, that's, a, that's a narrative. That's a story. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a layman's way of explaining how humanity survived. That's a way to not have to actually think about what happened and just kind of write it off and be like, whoa, this is how we got here. You know, that's, I'm sure per, that's how most of the world does it. <laughs> of course. And that's that's a huge problem, though. And that lends to the idea that our history is nothing more than a narrative. This is something that has been fed to us by the victor. History is written by the victor. The loser never writes history because the loser is dead after the victor wins. So any history that the, the winner of whatever engagement, uh, the, the victor, the person who ends up controlling society, any history that contradicts the narrative that they want to propose is, of course, going to be done away with. And it just so happens that this planet has been predominantly under a Christian narrative for, you know, 2000 years now. And anybody who disagreed, anybody who had a different history, what did they do? the crusades, the inquisition, colonization. I mean, they went around and they literally just exterminated millions and millions of people over the course of uh, 1500 years or so. Anybody who said, I don't agree with your narrative. I don't agree with your version of God. Bang, dead. That's how you whitewash history. And I don't want to say whitewash in a sense of, you know, skin, but whitewash in, a, in an overall sense this is how you bleach out history you're able to just control it from a certain perspective and eliminate any objecting parties well to agree with your point as well too um there they also said that jupiter at some point is going to be pushed out of our 
orbital or our alignment with how the planets are aligned. It's ended up going to go maybe in the next million years or so. It's it's slowly drifting away at a very small fracture, much like Hawaii is slowly each year, like an inch is moving over closer to wherever it's on the other side of the globe. So eventually it's going to get closer to Japan or closer to wherever than it is for us. It's like a there's a meme about it where it's like they're trying to retake it or something like that. But if you look at like the grand aspect of how they found out Jupiter is slowly getting pushed out of our orbit, um, that eventually might happen. I mean, it makes sense if you talk about another planet coming in. It's just weird because we don't have any track or any knowledge on another planet besides doing that i mean we only know about the ones that are in our little alignment and pluto is not even one of those anymore so about 10 years ago i want to say nasa actually released information on planet x they confirmed that there is a planet just outside of our orbit that possibly can come into our orbit there's articles about this anybody can google it and see it for themselves So NASA did acknowledge that this planet exists. However, they didn't take the necessary steps to try to explain the cataclysmic events of our past. Now, if you look through history, we have evidence within the archaeological record and within the geological record that cataclysms occur every 15 to 20,000 years on this planet. Massive cataclysms occur. I mean, it would stand to reason that this has to do with some type of extraterrestrial planet or something that is outside of what academia has allowed us to uh, conceive of our solar system. How um, else can you explain it? Well, see, the way you start talking about the underground tunnel systems, it started to make me lead into like the idea that you're talking about is flat earth, not flat earth, a hollow earth. Well, hollow earth is a whole different theory. Um, although I don't entirely disagree with it, I mean, we have some, some very uh, high-ranking members of society and the military that have concluded that this exists. Admiral Byrd is a perfect example. Admiral Byrd was a five-star general. And it, during World War II, he was sent to Antarctica. He claims he flew his plane directly into a hole in Antarctica, and he came out the other side. So, I mean, this is somebody who was in the military. This isn't a... There wasn't conspiracy theorists then. This was a guy just reporting what he saw. And he claims that he saw a a different version of Earth, that there were continents inside of the Earth, that the Earth is actually more of a donut shape that has an entrance and an exit at both poles. What I think is interesting about that is that if you look at the, uh, I can't think of what the term is. It's almost like a FLIR image, uh, uh, forward light facing infrared. Uh, image of other planets. We have them of Mars, of uh, Jupiter, I believe. I mean, actually, Jupiter's a great example. You know what the top of Jupiter looks like, how there's that storm, right? Mm-hmm. There's that, that uh, uh, I guess it would be like a hexagon, a hexagonal storm at the top of Jupiter. It looks like a funnel. It looks like a funnel, of course. And if you look at some of these these infrared images of the other planets, you'll see a hole at their poles, it would stand to reason that this is a a strong possibility that these things do exist. However, all we can go on is the word of other people because nobody's allowed to travel to Antarctica. So I can't go there and say for sure that this exists. I can, however, take some bits and pieces from uh, different parts of history and things that people have said and things that different authors have written. And we have maps that were drawn far prior to America being rediscovered by Columbus or America even uh, discovered by the Vikings. We have these different types of stone maps 
that show that there's something beneath us. So, but the tunnel thing with Darren Kuyu is a completely different idea. This, the thing with Agartha Inner Earth is allegedly, this was a place that the ultra terrestrials went when humanity was seeded onto this planet. Ultra terrestrials, of course, being the, uh, what is perceived as the reptilian race, right? And that these ultra terrestrials moved underground as to avoid being detected by the newly seeded humans. Um, this also leads into some kind of ancient astronaut theory that perhaps this planet didn't develop this type of life on its own, that it was seeded here, which is something that the Egyptians shared in. I mean, it's, it's drawn all over their temples, a giant red planet. They, they claimed that they came from Mars, the ancient Egyptians. They believed truly that they were descendant of a race of people that had come from Mars. That's, you'll see the red disc with the wings on it. Now, Egyptologists, such as the fraud Zahi Hawass, they claim that that's the sun. That doesn't really make sense. If you put it together with the rest of the hieroglyphic uh, texts that are, are compiled in the same location, it doesn't read that way. It doesn't read that they're speaking about the sun. It reads that they're talking about coming from a different place. Then we have hieroglyphs of these amazing spaceship looking things and helicopters and, and tanks and things that look like contemporary technology that were carved into stone 6,000 years ago. Well, how could that be unless these people came from somewhere where these things actually existed? How could they know what a helicopter looks like? Do you know what I mean? It, so it all kind of comes together to comprise this story of ancient history that has been concealed from us. And it shows that there was likely high technology in the distant past on this planet, that we are not the height of civilization, that there was a civilization that knew how to tap into the energy of the universe, to tap into the energy of this planet moving. Rotation creates energy, which energy is just electricity. So if this planet's moving around the sun and everything's connected by these gravitational waves that are also essentially like an electric web, it stands to reason that a lot of these ancient buildings that uh, you know we're told were built 6,000 years ago are much older and they were probably for high tech technological purposes, such as harnessing energy, redistributing energy. I speak of this. Well, what you're hinting at is spires, spires, the things like a lot of um, what they call a conspiracy, which I don't know how much of it is a conspiracy. This one's a little bit out of my realm, but they talk about buildings that have been here that were planted here long before civilization had even sprung up that we have built things around. You know, like the pyramids is built around something kind of like transformers and stuff like that, where they knock down the pyramid and there's like a laser in it. That's an alien thing. They talk about a lot of these giant monuments and these giant things that are seen as like perfect things of society. There's an attraction of people to it. It's because it's older than us. It's something that was predates us, which I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't know if it's a laser inside of one of them, but I think the earth has its resets. And I think, um, every civilization is probably on an infinite loop where it's just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Some make it farther than the others. Yeah. I think once we hit a certain point, we tend to eliminate ourselves, but could this be uh, something that is all interconnected? Absolutely. That perhaps humanity is only intended to excel to a certain degree before we either exterminate ourselves through our own greed or 
in conjunction with some type of uh, extraterrestrial interference. And I'm not talking about aliens. I'm talking about planetary interference, such as the planet X thing. If something like that, maybe these things are all connected. Look at um, Hermes, the philosopher, the occultist. He had the concept of as above, so below, as within, so without, as the universe, so the soul. And through that concept, that means that everything is connected. Nothing is coincidental. We are connected to the stars, the heavens, the lower levels, hell. This is all interconnected. Us, what's up there, what's below us, everything. It's all connected to each other. So perhaps this is also connected. That These cataclysms are absolutely tied to humanity's evolution. That, hey, maybe we're doing it wrong. Time to wipe it out again. Who knows? We don't know this for a fact. What we do know certainly is that we can read geology and we can see that there was a mass flood. We can see that there was flash freezing. We can see these things. We know that this exists. We can see the melting of stone. And what I was proposing is that there's only one way to explain this. And it is that the planet was pushed off its axis. What else could do this other than a massive planet coming through its gravitational waves pushing on our planet, pulling on the sun, creating this mass coronal ejection, thus uh, in turn creating solar flares for a thousand years, 1200 years, whatever it may be. Of course, I mean, you're pulling from the sun. The sun is radiation. But we, what I'm saying is we have the evidence for all of this. We know that this stuff happened. The only thing we don't know is the catalyst, which is where this planet X theory comes in. So you you were saying, trying to tie this to the underground cities. Of course, of course, this is all tied together. And of course, this ancient high technology is definitely the remnants of a civilization that existed prior to humanity's rebirth, which happened 11,600 years ago. According to mainstream history, we were hunter gatherers. Well, of course, because humanity was coming out of the caves. It was a restart. They had to restart agriculture. They had to restart everything. And who was left? That became what we know as civilization today over the course of many of thousands of years and so on and so forth. It, that became this civilization. It's the same, the same system. Let me jump back, though. I want to tap on this ancient technology. So you, you mentioned the pyramids about how these civilizations spring up around these things. The Egyptians themselves said that they found the Sphinx. Okay, they did not build the Sphinx. Now, weather erosion, uh, uh, Professor Robert Schock is a geologist uh, with uh, University of Boston, I believe, or one of those Boston colleges, maybe Boston College itself. Uh, Robert Schock, people who watched it, ancient aliens crap might know him. I know him from reading some of his papers because he states that the geological evidence on the sphinx shows clear water erosion that there was flooding occurring around this monument and the only time that could have happened was during the younger dryas that's the last time that region was flooded to that point was you know 11,600 years ago those waters receded and hence civilization respawned so the egyptians built society around this they knew that this was there. They went and they said, this monument 
these monuments perhaps, including the pyramids, which definitely were not built as tombs. They've never found any evidence to suggest that they were tombs. It's a ridiculous notion. What they have found, however, inside the pyramids is trace elements of mercury, of hydrogen. And when you combine these things, it creates energy. We, that's a fact. These things were found in the pyramids. We've never found any sarcophagi. We've never found a body. We've never found even a hieroglyph that suggests that they were built for a different purpose. What we have is rudimentary hieroglyphs, which were blatantly carved much later. If you look at the precision of the pyramids, it's highly unlikely that somebody, after they built them, took a stick and carved into the wall. You know, that's a ridiculous idea. Well, why would they build this beautiful compound, these amazing, precise buildings that are perfectly aligned with Orion's belt? A uh, little side note here, that's not the only ones that are aligned with Orion's belt. We see that alignment all over the planet. You'll see this in uh, Teotihuacan and Tiwanaku, um, allegedly in Antarctica, there's a mountain chain that's similar. In Bosnia, there's another alleged mountain chain, probably pyramids, that are also on this alignment. This is something that repeats over and over again. Anyways, they built all of this with such precision just so they can rudimentarily carve some you know, basic hieroglyphs in it. Hieroglyphs that may I add are absolutely dynastic, which doesn't fit with the concept of the pyramids being built for their purpose. You know what I mean? The, the, hieroglyph, the hieroglyphs that are used are much later than the proposed construction of the pyramids. They're about 2000 BC. I'm not even going to lie to you. You got to pull me in here, man. You're losing me in the weeds over here. I'm over here like, Jesus, you're, you're going on these. Like, you're doing good. I like it. I'm, I'm trying to follow you. But I'm also like I, every time I'm about thinking of a question, you, you answer it. And then you're all into something else. And I'm like, I'm sitting over here like the fuck just it's almost been an hour. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Has it been an hour already? Almost. Wow, we're, we're ripping it. Well, here, I'll give you some time. So just what do you need to know? And I'll answer the best I can. The best way for me to be able to understand things is by asking what your perspective is based on it. But I want to know, like, what's the besides the evidence, which you, you stated a lot of evidence, obviously, of how you kind of came to your conclusion as well, too. Um, I've heard of this theory multiple times, um, not just from you, the flat earth or not the flat earth, the dry earth theory. Um, whoever it was on Joe Rogan that was talking about it before. Um the likely person. graham hancock and randall carlson i would imagine so it's it's not anything that i like it that seems out of the realm of possibility it's just the the weirdest thing is like how do you explain like um when they talk about like for the pyramids for instance now i'm pretty sure they found sarcophaguses in the actual pyramids though it's how we were able to replicate like um there's a person recently that just took a 3d printer scan of a mummy of his vocal cords and they're able to recreate the first sound of what they would have sounded like back then um but they find these in tombs down there and that's what are in these pyramids as well the, even the bigger ones they were supposed to be the reason why they were lined up with orion's belt the theory is is that it was because those stars were like a like a like a light that would shine down and carry you and that's what they thought it was to bury their ancestors or bury your family members your loved ones in one of those the major kings and queens not every single person just the major ones that thought to be i are osiris's children or grandchildren whatever you want to call them that was the original uh pharaonic line was supposedly descendant of osiris but you are mistaken 
the mummy that they did the analyzation on where they recreated the, the sound of his voice, that was not found in a pyramid. No mummies have ever been found in pyramids. Not one, not a single one. The, that mummy was found in the Valley of the Kings. I think it was KV-68, I want to say. Um, everything's labeled King's Valley and then a number. Those were all, every mummy that's been found has been found within the Valley of the Kings unless they were lower uh, statute people. So those, those people were found buried in different types of uh, necropolises throughout Egypt, which there are some that are semi-decent, but for the most part, they're, they're really rudimentary. These are just holes that are dug, uh, minor cave systems where they dig out a wall and they bury people that were a little higher up in society. Because you got to remember, peasants and stuff, they didn't have burials. They were burned. Most people were burned. They weren't buried. Mummification only occurred for people that were in the upper echelon of society. And none of these people were ever buried in, in pyramids. Not a single one. So then why is the narrative taught that there are these rest, final resting places for these pyramids for the great kings and pharaohs? Because they had to explain it without... Uh, look, here's another thing. This, these <laughs> explanations are coming from people... This, this is all going to go together. These explanations are coming from people who are under the same false impressions that we are. This story hasn't been rewritten. This is the same story just continuing on and on and on. They base the majority off it of what's written in here, the Bible, of course, they have to adhere to that because Christianity is the backbone of this planet. I mean, it's, there's more Christians than there is anybody else on it. So being that this is the backbone of, of, let's not say Earth, Western civilization, they have to adhere to the guidelines set in here. They don't have a choice. So these people that are, are giving these datings or giving these explanations for the pyramids and saying that they were tombs, they're under the same false pretenses that the rest of us are. Now, my problem is, is that a lot of these Egyptologists, they're discovering things that are contrary to this narrative. They're finding all sorts of artifacts that don't fit the mainstream narrative. But what do they do? They conceal it or they misdate it. And they, they do this intentionally because it reduces any type of conjecture that's going to be produced from them showing these things to the public. If they say, hey, we found this and it clearly doesn't fit with anything else that we found in this region, it was deeper and much older, people are going to be like, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. You told us that you know, this civilization began in 5000 BC. How is this older than that if there was no people here? And that destroys their narrative. And when that narrative comes crumbling down, these people are discredited. They've based their whole life's work off of this contemporary timeline of these events. They have this, this timeline that's this big and everything occurred from here to here. And here is now, here is when this all began. We have Mesopotamia 6,000 years ago. That was the cradle of civilization. That doesn't lend to explain anything before it. So they're not going to go against what they've been talking about for 30, 40, 50 years, some of them. Some of these people have been writing books about this. This is their whole life's work. For 50 years, Zahi Hawass is a perfect example. He's also a criminal who has been caught stealing antiquities and selling them on the black market, but he's still a renowned Egyptologist. 
he can't say something that's going to destroy his career, destroy his life's work, or discredit him to any degree because nobody will ever buy one of his books again. Nobody's ever going to turn to him and say, what do you think? Because he was wrong about everything else. Do you know what I mean? Do you think um, it's just a factor of pushing against the narrative? Like, I think we talked about it last time. Um, the factor of like every single successful person, every single person that comes into an aspect always comes down to God or like God bless or God wishes you well or God believe in God and you'll achieve your goals. I start to look at like it's like SNL. There's a template that you have to stick by, especially with Hollywood. We saw when John Cena apologized in Mandarin. They're obviously China owns Hollywood. You start looking at if you go outside the narrative or what they don't like, you're not going to get work. You're not going to succeed. You cannot push back against what people want you to do. If you don't fit their little thing, it's um my idea of the presidency. They get into office. They have all these amazing goals to accomplish. Well, they get into office and they realize if they do anything, it's going to mess up any of the stuff that's already set up in place. So they can't they don't really have any say. They're just a figurehead because they can't change anything in a system that's already been established. It's much like um, if you got into office or something, and you decided I want to make sure that this and this and this go and they go. Okay, but we're running it like this. So you're going to follow like this. And you also need to say that you're like forgot or for president. Why does everyone need to be a Christian? We don't have one atheist president. We don't have anybody that's not like that. It's not outside the norm. It's because the stereotypical thing that everyone wants is a God, is a God-fearing Christian man. That's what they want. Of course, of course, because this is, of, of course, a God-fearing Christian nation. It was founded on those ideals. At least we're told it was. Now, we can talk about that another time. That goes pretty deep into goddess worship. All of DC is built on this goddess worship. Everything's built in these occult symbols. We see pentagrams. We see different types of Masonic imagery all throughout the founding of this country, and particularly within the capital. This is everywhere, this, this goddess worship. So perhaps it wasn't a Christian nation, but at some point they decided, hey, you know, the best way to control these people is to just go with the flow. And that's what everybody does on this planet. They go with the flow because once you step outside of the flow, you're considered a social pariah and it's hard to make friends. It's hard to be taken seriously. It's hard to sell yourself or promote yourself. If you are outside of this mainstream narrative, it's all a fucking cult, man. Why we, we look at religions like terrible things because they make some religions make you excommunicate from your own family if they start thinking differently or start to question their faith. Well, Mormonism. Well, how many people are running are only successful because they follow the narrative and the people that aren't successful, the ones that push back are the ones that are canceled out, seen as crazy, labeled a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. It's like hiding the truth because your image fits better for a narrative for a bunch of people. It's like a totalitarian thing of just they have to listen to what I say and the truth has to be hidden because it doesn't fit my narrative. That is how the system. So I'm, I'm in the boat with you. I believe you. I think I believe your theory over the other shit now, even though I've been learning the other shit from I was a toddler, but I don't know what to believe in anymore, considering that everything has been lied to half the time. You learn the real history of America, learn the real history of the world. Oh, it doesn't fit the history books, man. Tell the real shit. So you don't have people. I know plenty of people that are going against the narrative that don't get an ounce of anything attention that they should be getting for the things that they're talking about like yourself this whole entire idea that you just magically weaved up this whole thing right in front of me for me to be able to understand that does that's not that's many people might listen to be like what this person's what it's like 
that's not an easy task to do. That's not an easy thing to go from evidence to evidence to keep going like you did for a good while, where that is someone that has thought long and hard about this, that takes effort and work that goes into it. But you're not going to get the attention you deserve because people go, well, he's not a scientist. He doesn't have a doctorate in front of his name. I don't think that matters anymore. It's not 10 years ago to be successful. You needed a, a master's degree. You needed a college experience. You don't need that anymore. I do have several, several degrees, but I don't have a doctorate. I don't have a post-grad, no master's. I have a couple bachelors and, and that's good enough for me. But you, you're absolutely right. College doesn't matter. College is a joke because it's within this same system. Remember from here to here, everything's in a box. All of history, all of our knowledge, it's all within a box. What people need to do collectively is peer over the side of the box and see what's going on outside of it. Because there's a whole world outside of the box of things that most people would never even consider as possibilities because people are complacent. Now, you mentioned success. What are we defining success as? Monetary success? Well, people with money tend to be the most miserable amongst us. The, the more, you know, more money, more problems, so the song goes, right? People with money that are successful tend not to be very in tune with anything. That's why we, we see these billionaires that are maniacal, people like Gates, people like Bezos, even, you know, Elon Musk might appear to be a good guy. He's still a multi, multi-billionaire who says some wild outlandish shit from time to time. These people are eccentrics because they're so far removed from our roots, from our humanity because of money, because of success, because of the power that those two things uh, coalesce as. What do they really know? What do they know? People that have doctorates, right? What do they know outside of their doctorate program? Not much. I have friends that are doctors. They're brilliant when it comes to medicine or what they've been told is medicine and medical technology. They're brilliant with that stuff, understanding how pharmaceuticals work and so on and so forth. You talk to them about ancient history or 16th century English literature and they're lost. They don't have any conception of any of those things because they've never looked into them. They never had the time to because they spent all of their time focusing on one subject. And that is most people that are deemed intelligent within this society, their intellect is based upon one subject, one single item, when there's a whole world of ideas and concepts that they just fail to explore. You know, I, I would rather know a little about a lot of things than a lot about a little thing. I've said that before. I've talked to many academics and it seems like they could not have a conversation to save their life. Um, but absolutely. Jack of all trades, master of none used to be a major insult. Now it's seen as a compliment because you're not stuck down into one thing. It's very weird how the times have changed. But I my biggest thing right now is how the hell does this relate to Atlantis? Because you brought that up. And I'm not glossing over that because that's like my biggest like interest besides the Kraken. So, okay. So how all this relates to Atlantis is the destruction of Atlantis occurred at the same exact time that this mass flood happened. And at the same time that the splash freezing happened, 12,800 years ago, Atlantis was destroyed. Now, 
there is an overwhelming amount of evidence to suggest that Atlantis was not in the middle of the ocean, like a lot of people like to say. It was not the Florida Keys. It was not the Bahamas. It was, in fact, in Saharan Africa, just outside of Mauritania. It's, it's a, a location called the Reshat structure. The measurements of the Reshat structure, are you familiar with this? It's called the Eye of the Sahara. Mm -mm. Brother, you got to look into this. this I never researched the desert because it's always like a hot and dry place, and I can't do that, even reading about it. It wasn't always. Okay, so Africa, prior to the Younger Dryas Cataclysm, was a lush tropical rainforest. So the Sahara is a desert full of oceanic sands. And the only way to explain that is a flood came and swept over everything. We see this with the, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the culture off the top of my head. There's another culture that built minor pyramids and they actually did build them as tombs and they're within the desert of Africa. And now we found a whole entire city under the sands, a massive metropolis in the same region. I, I can't recall the name off the top of my head. It's something with an N regardless. Uh, that kind of proves that this area wasn't always a desert because there's no way that agriculture and civilization could have survived in such a inhospitable location, right? But we, we also know from geology that the Sahara was once a rainforest. We know this for a fact. Also, uh, it, it's really not hard to understand if you take a look at uh, the equator. I mean, basically everything below the equator is lush and tropical except for the Sahara. It how doesn't do really make sense. How do you explain mirages? Because the way you just said that the desert used to be a rainforest, why is it that when you see trees and plants in any movies or anything, that a mirage is always the desert? It's, it's, it's like in the mirage, or what I mean by that is uh, there's always a rainforest in the desert. Now, when I'm driving my car and I see a mirage or what I would look like water in the middle of the road, it goes away when I get closer to it. But I never see a rainforest or a tropical island. But when you go to the desert, the mirage brings out the tropical plants and like a rainforest thing out of sand. So is that just bringing it back like an ultra event that brings you back to be able to or is that just a messed up with your brain? Well, how that actually works is that actually ties into the paranormal, believe it or not. It's very strange. So essentially, the composites that the earth underneath the desert is made up of is usually granite, limestone, or quartz. Well, those three stones are actually able to transmute energy or transmit energy. And energy, of course, comprises everything. So what these things do is they store residual imagery. Right. This is how a residual haunting works when somebody's house is haunted, but they see, say they see a lady walk down the stairs every Tuesday at noon in their house. They see a ghost of a lady walk down the stairs. That's not an intelligent haunting. That's a residual haunting. This leads to why people see these rainforests in the desert. All that is, is the memory being stored within these composite minerals that make up the ground. And it's just replaying itself at certain times. Certain ionization factors come into play here. If the air is ionized a certain way, that air compresses into the stone, thus replaying the image. That's, that doesn't, that's not the water on the road type of mirage. This is actually something that is more of a, a supernatural event. Um, supernatural only because it can't really be explained by our crude sciences. But 
if you think about it, it's pretty easily explained. We know that those elements conduct electricity. Obviously, they built tons and tons of stuff out of them in the, in the remote past. Obelisks, pyramids are all made out of granite, quartz, or limestone, all of them. So we know that these conduct energy. They wouldn't have used them for those purposes. And scientists, I mean, look, are you wearing a wristwatch? It'll say quartz right on it. The quartz is used to conduct energy. So it's, it's a really simple concept is that, you know, certain ionization, even certain planetary alignments allow for these images that are being stored within this granite or quartz or limestone to replay themselves. Hence why people will be walk through the desert and be like, why do I see a rainforest? And then you get up there and it's gone. Well, because it's just a split second. It's the same thing as a ghost. You only see it for a minute. You're not going to have a residual haunting walk in the room and stand there for 20 minutes. No, it's something that happens very quickly. So that kind of explains your, your mirage thing. If that explained it for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to have to listen back to this episode a couple of times. But, dude, I'm, 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 I'm so happy that you got, like, I don't know, you coming back on the second time. It's like you're way more focused into so many things. You got What have you been studying that's been making you think about all this stuff? I mean, this is my whole life, man. This is what I do. I, I just research stuff. I am a, an avid reader. I have a library that consists of about 2,000 books now. I don't, I don't stop. I just keep going. The way I've been led to live my life is that, again, jumping back to what you said about being successful, that doesn't matter to me. I don't care about that stuff. That stuff comes my way because I'm focused on the things that, that should matter to all of us, which is our humanity, our, our truth. Uh, if we're not living our truest lives, what good is any of this? Who cares about money? If you don't have anything in your head when you lay down at night, you can have all the money in the world. You're worthless in my perspective. I want depth. I want something with substance. I don't care about that stuff out there. That stuff out there can go away like that. And we've been showing that time and time again. People that had millions of dollars in 2008 when the economy crashed, they lost everything in trusts. Everything was taken away from them. People that own businesses two years ago, the government came and said, oh, we're closing down your businesses. All of your material stuff can go away in a heartbeat. Who are you underneath that stuff? That's what matters. If you don't have anything to offer other than your money or your skill set based in this societal construct, what good are you? You know what I mean? What yeah, but it's, it's very, very hard to try and enforce change or try and at least say change even if you think this change for instance is a good thing there's a lot of people that are going to have their whole entire world shattered i mean i think the biggest thing going on in the world right now is an identity crisis of people trying to figure out who they are and all, everything right now has been telling them that everything they learned is wrong and it's very very hard to know what's true it's actually where a lot of people talk about like with the science that's going on today science doesn't exist anymore it's like no science is good it's just is it being controlled properly by the correct people and sadly a lot of people rather get their name in a textbook rather than care about what's proper or what's done right you know there's a avi Loeb is probably um, 
he's the one guy that's not really on social media, but he's the one that exposed, like he's a very talented astrophysicist, but a lot of people don't want to talk shit on him and call him a horrible person. But he was on Joe Rogan explaining like, it's because what I have to say is refuting everything that everybody has spent 30 something years working their whole life to prove. And that means that all their work is nothing and it goes right in the trash. And that's just the issue with science, this issue with our court systems, the issue with the way the world works. At any moment, you could have said, prove me this, prove me that. Then I would just make up something in my head to try and prove you wrong, a random example that you couldn't look up. Anybody would have that reaction because it's just about not being wrong. It takes more courage and strength to be like, I don't know, and then just hear it out and then try and understand it. But it becomes a battle. It becomes a chess match. It becomes a competition of the minds, and that's how the world works. And I think that's why we're kind of fucked in the positions that we're in because we don't know who to trust anymore. Everyone now just doesn't even want to look at what could be true or what could be false. People just want to find something that fits their narrative. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That goes back to what we were talking about before about uh, the Zahi Huas thing about how this guy spent his whole life pushing this singular narrative. Therefore, anything that arises outside of his narrative, he's going to bury because he doesn't want his life's work to have been for naught. And that's so many people. But what I'm saying is, if your life's work is built on a foundation of deception, it's not worth anything. And we need, we need to stop recognizing people whose lives work are, are built upon a foundation of lies. If everything is built on a foundation of lies and a control system, it's not worth anything. And we're not advancing as a species. All we're doing is perpetuating a bullshit story. And that does nobody any good. We don't get anywhere from that. We're not inspiring people to think. We're not inspiring people to search for answers. We're not even inspiring people to want to do these things. It's just, it's just a continuation of the same self-destructive system that's been in place now for thousands of years, which all comes back to banking, of course, because it's all about control and control boils right down to banking. I don't want to get into that though, brother. I want to, I want to stay on topic here. You want to talk about Atlantis? Let's talk about Atlantis. Cool. Cool. Let's do it then. Okay. So back to the reshat structure. When you take Plato's description, which was handed down, obviously, uh, he was just the first person to write it down and those writings happened to survive. When you take his description and you compare it to the Rishad structure, the measurements are exact. He talks about waterfalls flowing from the mountains just to the north of, of Atlantis. We see that geologically. We can see the striations of where rivers once poured over a cliff. We can also see striations of where floodwaters receded after Atlantis was washed away back into the ocean, we can, you can look on Google Earth and see this massive striation, which goes right through Mauritania directly into the sea. The sea level actually is higher at the Reshat and then goes lower, 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 which shows that this was all destroyed and then flooded outwards. I mean, you can actually see this from a geological perspective, how this occurred. You can see where the flood happened. You can understand how those sands were put in place and how this civilization was destroyed. The reshad is so interesting, though, on so many different levels. I mean, aside from the Plato's description matching, we have the concentric circles. We, we have that. We have the depth that was big enough for, for uh, 
waterway to flow into these concentric circles. All of this is there and it's completely apparent. There's no, there's no conjecture involved with any of this. If, if you have an eye for it and you understand how geology works and you're able to take a look throughout history and understand sea level rise and fall and really put all these pieces together. That Again, this goes back to this younger Dryas idea of this great flood and these cataclysms occurring. When you put all of the pieces together, the Reshet is the most likely location of Atlantis. This area was once underwater, this part of Africa, just to the right of it was a lush rainforest. Obviously it was a coastal rainforest. We, we can see this, okay? There's no denying it, that this, this part of Africa was once underwater. It, here's another way to look at it too, in terms of trying to isolate the idea of Atlantis being this specific location as the eye of the Sahara, is that the ancient king of Mauritania was named Atlas. Atlas was a son of the deities in Atlantis. I mean, why would they have their ancient king be Atlas unless these people descended from the city of Atlantis? Now, when this destruction occurred, I'm sure some people survived and obviously they migrated in different directions and they founded new cities and new civilizations. Well, you're not just going to name stuff after a place that is mythological, right? Because this oh, well, mythology... Thought... I thought Atlas was named after the god that holds up the world. Greek mythology. So yeah, but that I that concept co stems from Atlantis. So that whole concept, allegedly, of course, I wasn't there. I don't have enough uh, information from that part of the world to be able to put all this together. You have to actually go there and talk to some of these people, talk to some of the eldermen in some of these these tribes or. Um, you know, different types of religious leaders throughout that region to really paint a bigger picture of this. But what I know for certain is that there has been archaeological work done there. They have found evidence of a highly advanced civilization in that area, in the Eye of the Sahara. We find that same evidence sprawled throughout the desert stretching to the ocean. The same types of stone, the same colored stone. Atlantis was allegedly black, white, and red. Everything was black, white, and red. We see these stones everywhere. These trace elements of, of these stones of these different types of monuments or you know, cityscape, whatever it might have been. So we have an archaeological record to follow. And then we have all those other bits and pieces of history to follow. And it leads us right back to this place, which is the Eye of the Sahara. There are even some maps claiming to describe Atlantis and when you look at the maps and you, and you recognize, okay, this is the Strait of Gibraltar. This is where this is. Okay, well, it makes sense. So we have this up here. We have Atlantis labeled over here as an island. If you, you look on a map, this is exactly where the Reshad is compared to the Strait of Gibraltar. So, it, you know, there's, there are a lot of different pieces that go into this. I recommend anybody who's interested in this, um, Jimmy from Bright Insight on YouTube did an excellent expose on this. I think he did two or three pieces about Atlantis. He really compiled all this information and he spoke on it a lot more eloquently than I can without any types of notes in front of me. So check that out, uh, Bright Insight on YouTube. It's, he's, he's a great guy. Uh, he does a ton of really cool work exposing different types of lies throughout archaeology, throughout our history. Not so much lies, but deceptions. So uh, that, that would be my recommendation for anybody who's, who's really interested in this. It's, 
he he goes very in depth and he pulls all the things I just discussed together and paints a big picture of it to where you're able to see. Now, leading back into something you said that was interesting, we were discussing deceptions within society. So I had a little brain freeze there. Um, and how all of this keeps going on and on and on in terms of adhering to this religious foundation, this is necessary. It's a control system. It has to exist this way. They have to perpetuate these lies or else the control system fails. If people find out there were gods prior to God, what are they going to do? They're going to lose their minds or they're going to go on another witch hunt and kill a whole lot of innocent people. People aren't ready for a lot of this, I guess is the best way to, to put it. They're just not ready for it. Will we ever be ready for it? It seems like people are starting to wake up a little bit more now. People are more open to ideas that 10 years ago would have gotten you crucified, that 50 years ago might have gotten you killed in certain areas. People are becoming more open to these ideas. You just That's think it because, needs to be explained a little bit better, though, like maybe someone like yourself or someone that can really dissect it, like the guy you were mentioning with the YouTube videos. I feel like if it's done properly, it could be explained a lot better. Like, um, I don't want to use this example, but if somebody talks about like they're not getting the vaccine or something, they look at them like you're 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 an idiot because you don't trust the science rather than looking from the perspective of maybe a person that's on their fifth miscarriage and then they finally had a are having a kid and they're afraid to put anything in their body in fear that they might lose another child so you got to look from that perspective nobody ever really wants to tear down their own perspective and look through the eyes of someone else even though it's almost impossible to truly see the pain that someone's experiencing but to understand the thoughts of why they think the way that they think you know it's a very very easy but also very difficult thing to do in today's time but i think with a lot of people really truly caring they're reacting rather than thinking and i think that's part of it but there's it's something deeper than that. You know, it has to be explained a lot better for people to understand. We want truth. We want to understand. I don't think anybody wants someone to hurt themselves, but we don't see the, the actions that we take in fear. We don't see the effect that it's going to lead to you telling someone that they're going to, they're a piece of shit. And they're going to kill somebody. If they don't get a shot in their arm, that person blows their head off in fear that they might be right. You know, when we sent a tweet or if we say something to somebody on, on the Internet calling them, you're an idiot or something, you are hurting someone and they you don't know what that effect has. So we are inherently I good. I, I don't believe in any of that, man. I don't I never approach things from a perspective of me trying to talk down to somebody. Anything that I've ever said to you on this podcast or anybody else in, in my personal life, I never approach things from a place of arrogance. I don't know anything for a fact. What I have is theories and I have a collection of evidence that supports that theory or those theories. I don't want to lie to people and I definitely don't ever want to hurt anybody because it's not that's not going to help anybody in any situation whatsoever. That's a huge issue with what you were just touching on is that so much of this is vitriol. It's so angry and there's so much hostility because we've been pitted against each other. And that's, that's the whole of humanity is you pit one side against the other side while you, the king, run off with all the fucking money. 
that's, that's my point man. here is that everyone that we've looked to for guidance or advice have been people with the control or people with the narrative rather than looking at the people that aren't trying to change your narrative, but show you something, you know, it's, that's, it, it's so fucking difficult. And this is why I like this whole world's kind of ass backwards right now. There's literally an agency in Russia where they – a Russian troll farm where they spark up fake accounts online to spark up animosity between their people. You know, There's a podcast on Joe Rogan with um, Naomi Park, and she's a North Korea defector. She talks about leaving there, and she goes, a lot of what happens over here in America is what started and how North Korea got to where it's at. It's about all these people to understand. They don't know what freedom is over there. That word to them is seen as like a Mad Max word. There's no word for I. When you say you love somebody, you only say we love you or you love because you're not supposed to be singled out. They don't want you thinking as one. They want you thinking as a community because they can keep the community feared. You're not going to spark out if you're looking to your friends for guidance. And that's the scary thing is people think like, oh, it'll never be a dictatorship here. It kind of already is. We it listen to is. one person and then the people don't understand how powerful they are if we all stick together. I saw a picture on Facebook of a guy with a whip and he's whipping a whole group of people. All the people and one person stands up and just stays standing. Yeah. Everybody else bows down. And then every, when everybody stands up, the dude drops his whip and he gets down. It's like, yes, you understand is that when you really push back over real issues, real problems, you want to pull out uh, all this racism and all this type of stuff that we want to fight against. That's a good goal. But do we talk about the Nestle company that's literally getting away with billions of dollars of just making child labor acts and just going over there because the color of those people's skin and they don't care about making them work to the bone? We don't fix PETA. They want to ban animal slurs, but they don't want to focus on the real inherent problems of animals eating each other, cannibalism, all these things that are just on farms and all of this sort. It's like we're not looking at the real problem. We want the change, but we accept like a great value version of it. We don't accept the actual real brand of it. Those are caveats as far as I'm concerned. And this whole entire society operates on a system of caveats, right? When the people rise up and they say, Hey, we don't, we don't like this, this specific item. What does the government do? It buries that specific item and it says, well, we'll give you gay marriage and it shuts the people up. Okay, well, we, don't, we still don't like this. Okay, well, transgender people are allowed in the military now. They're caveats. They're not actually solving any problems. All they're doing is burying it under jargon. That's what this country excels at, is burying things. Not even this country, this planet, the people in charge, they excel at caveats. They give you a little tiny smidge of freedom, and in exchange, they take away a whole bunch more freedom from another direction. Exactly. Exactly. It's funny because I've heard this from like five different people. Then they go, just do it to anybody you're having a discussion like this with, and they'll know what you mean. It's the, the squeeze and release, the squeeze and release, and everyone – like the, the kids in cages they we didn't want those kids in cages anymore. And guess what? Now it's illegal to take videos of kids in cages. It's like, okay, so now we're just not seeing it, but it's still going on. It here's, here's the thing. And I love this hypocrisy. I'm not, I'm not on either side of the fence, man. I'm more of an autonomous. I, I don't even like government to any degree. So I've been called when I say this, I don't want anyone to perceive that I'm saying this as a pro Trump thing at all, but isn't it funny how, when Trump was president, kids in cages, kids in cages. 
But as soon as it comes out that Obama actually built those cages and that Biden, his right-hand man, is now president, we can't talk about kids in cages anymore. It was okay when it was Trump, but now that it's Biden back to Obama, we can't discuss it. I mean, here's, here's one thing. This all ties back into deception and the well, you missed the biggest example before you gloss on to the thing is that in 2014, Obama wanted to bomb another country and the people literally shut down the press conference to stop him from bombing. He did it anyway, but it wasn't publicized. He went and did it on his own thing. But if you really look at like how many people called this vaccine Trump's vaccine and how many people that said that now have it and are telling you that you're a piece of shit for not getting it. Yeah. Hypocrisy. Yeah. dude. What the fuck? <laughs> It's democracy and hypocrisy are synonymous. They, they just are. Uh, there's always going to be hypocrites because everything's built on a core of deception. Here's, here's something that I was going to say before when I kind of had the brain freeze. Is that I'm having a brain freeze again. Every time I try to get this out, my brain stops. Out of the blank podcast. Congratulations. (laughs) You blanked me out of the the (laughs) blank. I am completely blank. No, so essentially what I'm getting at is that all of this deception is rooted back in humanity having this urge to just conceal themselves. We're so afraid of being labeled outcasts or labeled dissonance or you know, now terrorists, if you don't agree with the mainstream narrative, we're terrorists or whatever, whatever they're calling the, uh, the QAnon people these days. It's absurd. It's an absurd notion. People are so afraid of being outside of the societal paradigm that they're willing to concede just about anything to keep their fake friends or to keep their, their bullshit job or to keep this appearance of being one with a community that's built on bullshit. Community is worthless if everything it's built around is deception, right? Nothing is worth it if it's all built on lies. And that that all comes back to everything uh, about how we've just been steadily lied to over and over and over and over again throughout all of history. The lies just keep compiling, compiling, compiling until what are we left with? Just a vague outline of what might have been true. Now, here we go into conjecture. This is how you know something true from something false. The truth leaves no room for conjecture. There is no room for questioning something that is inherently true. If I say grass is green, you can't argue with me. You've seen the grass yourself. You know that the grass is green, right? There's no place to argue from. And that's how you know when something's bullshit. If you can pull any type of information that is contrary to what is being said, what is being said is inherently bullshit because there should be no conjecture to the truth. There just shouldn't be. If there was a worldwide pandemic, would there be people saying there wasn't? No, because people would be dropping dead in the streets. We would know that there was a global pandemic. There would be no fighting against it. But the fact that that's not happening, that we're getting information from somebody who isn't even a fucking virologist telling us how viruses work. We know what we're talking about here, Dr. Fauci is not a virologist. He has no experience in virology. He's literally just a career politician. That's it. I, I love it how he, 
he said Chinese virologists said it's impossible that it's not gain of function. I'm like, when did we start listening to China about what the fuck? Right, because they're so honest. It's going to say the truth. It's funny that you bring up China, though, because that's that that really goes back to what I was saying about this ancient technology in China. There are thousands of pyramids, thousands of pyramids strewn throughout China, throughout Siberia, throughout the, the parts of Russia that are inaccessible thousands of pyramids that we don't know anything about nothing from a western perspective is told to us about these pyramids in china we're supposed to just ignore that they exist these things are clearly antediluvian which means they're pre-flood china the chinese government knows about them because they go at great lengths to cover them up what they do now is they grow terraced farms over the pyramids so if you look at it from an aerial perspective, you're just going to see a farm. But why would you build a terrace farm on flat ground? That doesn't make any sense. You would just build a regular farm. They're doing it to cover up the pyramids because they don't want anybody from Western civilization to sit to start putting these pieces together. It leads you to believe that perhaps the Chinese might know a little bit more than we do about our origins, about where we come from, that they might have some pieces of the puzzle that we're not necessarily given and not Chinese people in a sense, but the Chinese uh, bureaucracy or the CCP, the communist party, that they know things that we're not privy to because uh, these things exist. They're there. You can see them. They cover them up intentionally, rather intentionally. They cover them up anytime are asked about these things or anytime somebody from the western world or western countries wants to go explore these things they're kicked out of china you're shut down immediately if you start asking about the pyramids in china they don't want to discuss it well why is that well they're they're keeping some information from us some things that we should be questioning how do these things exist this uh, this is the problem with separate governments and the problem with a global government is a global government's going to hide all the information. Separate government's going to hide the information that is conducive to them retaining their power. Benny, we got, we got to, we'll have to do that on another episode. We can't just ruin everything that we've done for the past hour and a half with ending with like China shit. That's got to be a whole nother EP. I'm fine with that. I got a whole, whole slew of information going from that. We could talk about all that stuff next time. Um, you know, maybe tap into a little bit of what's going on in this country the revolution that's occurring globally. I'd like to talk about all that at some point. It's because it's happening, man. And we're, we are living through a time unlike any other time in history, because we have the internet to do this. This is the fall of Rome with Wi-Fi. Well, um, I'll be heading into the 900s here before you know it. So then we'll get you on in the 900s for sure. Um, but before we close out the episode, is there anything you want to let people know out there, any of your links or any positive message for anybody? Um, so I'm still working on getting my clothing brand going. I'm no longer doing the uh, metal thing. I'm, I'm done doing that. I'm not working with that person anymore. Um, so you forget about all that. Uh, Deaf culture clothing should be releasing my first line for the fall. If not, it'll be the winter. Uh, you keep up to date with that. You can follow me at uh, Vinny De Rosalina on Instagram. Change my handle. Um, I also have another one. It's realize, realize, realize. And uh, the E's are all threes with underscores between each word and then S instead of a Z. You can follow me there. That's my Instagram page where I talk about a lot of 
the things that are deemed conspiracies. I discuss some spirituality on there. I, I share different videos to get people thinking from a different perspective, because that's another huge problem that this world is facing right now is everybody is so closed-minded, so one-track-minded. Everyone's going down the same path or they're going that way down the same path. Nobody is looking this way or that way. So anything that's going to help people break the bubble or break the stigma that they believe they need to stay confined within these societal guidelines, I'm, <coughs> excuse me, I'm there to tell you, forget about it. You don't need that. I got something else for you, a whole new world of information. So follow me on those Instagrams. Um, other than that, I'm, you know, working on some writing projects and some new music and stuff like that, but that's all down the road. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of a positive message, a, a positive affirmation for people, don't be afraid to speak your mind. Never fear speaking your mind. Tell people what you think. If you think something that might be deemed off color, unless it's something that's going to hurt somebody or some racist bullshit, say it, man. Say it. Whatever you're thinking, say it. Because when you open up a dialogue, you're opening up new pathways of thought. And that's, that's how we advance. That's how we evolve is by thinking outside of the paradigm. And that's it. So keep up the good work. Everybody that's, that's looking for truth right now, um, you got a friend in me. That's how that works. And you got a friend in me too, brother. Hell yeah, Vinny. All right. Well, look, I'll link everything in the description. And thanks for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank. Stay tuned for our next episode.